have your Bibles, please, Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. Guys, I might need to lower the, me on the monitor here. I think I'm getting some feedback if you don't mind. Philippians chapter 2. We begin to prepare our hearts for partaking of the Lord's Supper this morning. I read this past week that in 1717, when Francis Louis XIV died, his body lay in a golden coffin. Uh, He had called himself the Sun King, and his court was the most magnificent in Europe. And to dramatize his greatness, he had given orders that during his funeral, the cathedral would be only dimly lighted with only a special candle set above the coffin. So get that picture in your mind's eye this morning of a grand cathedral and this candle over the coffin. As thousands wailed in hushed silence, Bishop Massillon began to speak. Then slowly reaching down, he snuffed out the candle saying, Only God is great. Only God is great. You know, we listen to a description of a person like Louis XIV and we shake our head in disgust over the pomp and the arrogance and the pride And uh, thinking about exalting himself that much. But then in reality, we're often just like him. We have our own personal pride candle lit in our lives as well. And I wonder, friend, do you have a problem with pride in your life? Do you have a problem with pride in your life? I do. In fact, on this past Tuesday, I was just going about my day, and on Tuesday morning, I had this thought, my life reeks with pride. It absolutely stinks. The Holy Spirit was working in my life, and He began to show me my pride, rotten, dirty, shameful pride. And I wonder, do you suffer from it too? Oswald Sanders gave three tests that we can use to see if we have pride in our life, a pride problem. He said there's the test of precedence. The test of precedence. How do we react? How do we respond when somebody else is promoted and we're overlooked? When somebody else gets the assignment or the part or the position that we wanted? When someone else outshines us? The test of precedence. Then there's the test of sincerity. You know, in our most honest moments of self-criticism, we'll say some pretty tough stuff about ourselves. And we'll be pretty honest about our shortcomings and our failures. But how do we feel when somebody else says the exact same thing about us? The test of sincerity. Then there's the test of criticism. How do we respond to criticism? When someone criticizes us, does it arouse hostility? Does it arouse uh, resentment? Does it make us automatically fly in self-defense mode as we seek to uh, defend ourselves? And then I thought I'd add add a fourth uh, to his test, and that is the test of preference. How do we feel, how do we respond when we don't get our own way? When I don't get my way, my wish, my desire. How do we respond when someone interrupts us? When we have uh, plans and desires and things and someone comes along and derails those. um, When they don't do what we want them to do. In fact, I'm going to make available to you. I'm not going to hand them out. 
uh, lest someone misconstrue that. But I'm going to make it available to you as you leave today. Uh, it's back on the table to your right. A worksheet that you can take home that kind of builds upon this called Living a Broken Life. And there's all sorts of things here that help us to evaluate our pride or our brokenness. Um, and it goes through and it lists many, but then it goes a step further. It helps us to choose to humble ourselves and to work through the Scripture to come to that point. And I'll make those available as you leave today. As, as I worked through it this past week in my own life, I would encourage you to take one. But you know, it doesn't take long for us to find pride in our lives, to find the sin of pride in our lives. We can just look at the tension in our lives. Uh, the tension in our relationships and our families and our churches to realize that pride is running rampant in our world. You know, pride is going to equal, pride, pride is going to bring about strife and contention. You say, well, preacher, how do you know that? Because the Bible says so. Proverbs 13.10 says, by pride comes nothing but strife. Proverbs 13.10, by pride comes nothing but strife. And so all of the fussing, all of the fuming, all of the arguing, all of the fighting that goes on in our lives, in our relationships, in our world, it goes back to pride. In fact, pride is what got us in this mess in the first place. Satan wanted to be God. Satan wanted to be worshipped. In his pride, and his arrogance, he exalted himself and he was cast out of heaven. And he fell. And of course, you know, pride what got us into this mess. Even Adam wanted to be like God. And so they look at that fruit and they saw it was good to the eyes and it looked like it would taste good to make them wise. Go back and read Genesis 3 sometime. And it was pride that got us in this mess in the first place. Adrian Rogers was correct when he said, pride is the most destructive thing in the universe. Pride has wrecked the human race. Pride. But you might be thinking, preacher, why all this talk about pride? Well, as we come to the Lord's Supper today, as we come to the Lord's table, we're supposed to examine ourselves. We're supposed to uh, cleanse ourselves and then eat and drink. And in all honesty, celebrating this ordinance, eating that bread and drinking uh, that cup, beloved, that is a humbling thing, isn't it? To think about the Lord Jesus, to think about the cross that we just sang about. And if it's not a humbling thing, it ought to be. To think about the cross. We're recalling what Jesus did for us. To deliver us from our sin. To rescue us from the pride that damns us. Do you realize pride keeps so many people out of heaven? Because in order to come to the Lord Jesus, we must humble ourselves, right? And admit that we're a sinner. And turn from our sin and place our faith in Jesus Christ, who is our Savior. And so the Lord's Supper humbles us, and it's a good thing. We need to be humbled. We need to have our candles snuffed out and to be reminded that only God is great. We sometimes think about it. You remember these words from Isaac Watts? When I surveyed the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, my richest gain I count but lost. Do you remember the next part? And poor contempt on all my Pride. Beloved, my life reeks of pride and self-sufficiency and self-reliance, and that is sin. So I've got to come today before I come to this table and get right about that. 
And maybe when you think about your life, you say, you know what? I have the same issue. I have the same problem. My life is filled with pride. And on Tuesday, as the Lord was dealing with me about this, He brought this particular verse to my mind. Philippians chapter 2, verse 8. And this verse is speaking of our precious Lord Jesus. And in Philippians chapter 2, verse 8, and I'll ask you to keep it open because we're going to go back and read it in its context. But Philippians 2, 8 came to mind. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. That's what we're remembering today. What Jesus Christ did. Let's go back and read it in context. I want to go back and read it beginning at verse 1 of Philippians 2. Philippians 2, 1 through 8. Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind, Notice verse 3. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look not only uh, for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. And notice verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And here's our verse. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. He was God, but he did not hang on or grasp to his rights and his privileges. Instead, he humbled himself, first of all, by becoming a man. God became a man. Still God. But now, perfect God, perfect man joined in the flesh. But it, that is, that, that, that's not where he stopped. He humbled himself again. Think about it. He came. He became a man. He was born in lowly circumstances. Laid in a food trough, an animal's food trough. The Bible says he was obedient to his earthly parents. He was mistreated and abused by man. And then he humbles himself to the point of death but not just any death. It was the worst kind of death anyone can even imagine. The worst form of death, of course, the death of the cross. Someone wrote, we take pride in birth and rank, but it said of Jesus He was a carpenter's son. We take pride in possessions, but it said of Jesus, the Son of Man hath no place to lay His head. We take pride in our respectability, but it's said of Jesus, can anything good come out of Nazareth? We take pride in our personal appearance, but it's said of Jesus, He hath no form nor comeliness. We take pride in reputation, but it's said of Jesus, behold a man gluttonous and a wine-bibber. We take pride in friendships, but it's said of Jesus, He was a friend of publicans and sinners. We take pride in our independence. But Jesus gave Himself to people and had the woman at the well draw water for Him. We take pride in our degrees and our learning, but Jesus never went to college. And it's said of Him, how knows this man letters having never learned to read? We take pride in our position, but Jesus said, I'm among you as one who serves. 
We take pride in our success, but instead of Jesus, he, His own did not receive Him or believe in Him. He was despised and rejected. We read that this morning. We take pride in our self-reliance, but instead of Jesus, He went down to Nazareth and was subject to His parents. We take pride in our abilities, but Jesus said, I can of my own self do nothing. We take pride in our self-will, but Jesus said, I seek not my own will, but the Father's. And if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. We take pride in our intellect, but Jesus says, as the Father has taught me, I speak these things. We take pride in our resentment and justifiable pride, but Jesus said, Father, forgive them. We take pride in our holiness, but instead of Jesus, He receiveth sinners and eateth with them. We take pride in the fact that we're the righteousness of God, but instead of Jesus, He who knew no sin became sin on our behalf in order that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. Beloved, we have nothing to be proud of in our flesh. We're sinners by nature and we're sinners by choice. That's why Paul said in Galatians 6.14, But God forbid that I should boast, that I should boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. And as we come today, remembering the cross, the bread representing the body of the Lord Jesus, the juice representing the blood of the Lord Jesus, we need to lay down our pride Realizing that it's our pride that caused Him to go to the cross in the first place. We have nothing to boast in today but the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we need the mind of Christ. A mindset of the one who humbled Himself, who gave Himself for us, who became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. And so I want to invite you this morning to join me as we humble ourselves before God. We lay down our rotten pride and we cry out to the one who is worthy of all power and dominion and praise and glory. Would you pray with me? We have sinned, Father, against heaven and before you. We have all sinned and fallen short of your glory. We failed to honor you, the God who gives us every breath and sustains our every step. Against you and you only have we sinned and have done much evil in your sight. We have not obeyed your voice to walk in your laws, which you plainly set before us, though they are holy, just, and good. Who would want to make a complete list of all his errors? Cleanse us from our secret faults. In many different ways we all offend and our iniquities are more numerous than the hairs of our head. 
As a spring spews out its water, so our hearts spew out wickedness. This has been our manner of life from our youth, for we have never really wanted to obey your voice. Out of the evil treasury of our hearts, we brought forth many evil things. Father, we have every reason to be humbled for the pride of our hearts, which has deceived us. We've thought of ourselves more highly than we ought to think. We've not made an honest, sober evaluation of ourselves. We've not walked humbly with you, our gracious God. We have leaned on our own understanding and trusted in our own hearts. We have sacrificed our own net. We have sought our own glory more than the glory of Him that sent us. We've been puffed up in pride about the very things for which we should have mourned. Now, Father, forgive us and cleanse us and wash us and purify us and help us today to boast not in ourselves, not in our flesh, not in our righteousness, but to boast in the cross, to boast in Christ and His righteousness. And Father, may we truly be able to come today with grateful hearts rejoicing that You've counted us worthy in Christ to celebrate this most holy ordinance to remember the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we pray this in His most holy and precious name. Amen.